Welcome to CISO Diaries. I'm Leah McLean. And I'm Sia Yasutornrat. CISO Diaries is shining a light on the industry's thought leaders and trailblazers. CISOs need people to engage with them. They need folks to take security seriously as a first thought, not an afterthought. They need to value security as a core principle, a moral imperative, an anchor value. And they need people to listen, and they want to be heard, because after all, they are humans too. This podcast is for everyone, including leaders and those aspiring to leadership and security through CISOs willing to candidly share their personal side, and for us to get to know them apart from their jobs and understand their passions. Join us and have fun getting to know our CISOs. And we would like to thank our sponsor, Cyber Future Foundation, a think tank and a group of doers who are focused on driving change across cyber peace goals, workforce and talent, cybersecurity education and training, small business cybersecurity, and private and public sector collaboration. And now, let's meet our CISO. Oh, yeah. Our lovely guest today, Mary Cheney. Hi, Mary. Hi. Hi, everyone. How's how's it going? Doing well. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Great to be here. Glad to be here. Yeah. No, welcome to the CISO Diaries, Mary. I'm Sia. I just got to tell you, first and foremost, even before we even started the recording, Mary, let's just say it was less than smooth start. And I just want to tell you, first, most and foremost, thank you for your patience. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, no, you're perfectly fine. Nothing ever goes right. It, it's all it's all good. It's almost like you've experienced this before or something in your life. <laughs> um, yeah, a little bit. <laughs> and I think the pandemic taught us uh, a lot of things virtually can have hiccups. Mary, can you just start by sharing your background and uh, tell us about yourself? And, you know, for those of you who don't know you. Oh, absolutely. You know, if the pandemic teaches us anything, it's, it's actually to be um, patient with everybody and, and to show that grace to understand that life happens, right? It, it's, it is what it is. But uh, as Leah pointed out, my name is Mary Cheney. I am, oh my gosh, going back, I am a, um, currently I am a director of information security and privacy for an organization called Asperion. Uh Therapeutic is a small therapeutic um, organization. I Started my career, let's go all the way back. My undergraduate degree is in information systems. Uh, so I'm an engineer by training. Um, and then, you know, in undergraduate, I, I like to tell the story about why I went to law school. So in undergraduate, you know, we had business courses and um, I took a business law class just because and the, the a little going into a little bit deeper detail than I have before, there was a paper assignment due. A, a research paper due at the end of the semester. And of course I turned it in early because I am an overachiever and I had got the worst grade in my, probably in my, definitely in my collegiate career on that paper. Luckily I had the opportunity to redo the paper, but uh, it was, it was very shocking, you know, just for, for someone that's always been an overachiever, someone that's always gotten good grades it, it was a shocker. And if you if you are a, a, a honor student, you you understand or you'll 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 get some <laughs> you understand what I'm talking about when you say it's a shock to the system. So um that, that the answer to 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 that question when I ultimately got uh that bad grade was to go to law school. So that was that was that was my answer to you're you're telling me that I can't write, so therefore I need to prove that 
take this weakness and turn it into a strength. That's that's the way I've always been in my career, taking weaknesses and turning them into strength. So I went to law school with the goal to graduate number one in my class. That was ultimately my answer to the bad grade in undergrad was to graduate number one in my law school class. <laughs> so um, I, yeah, it's practical, right? That makes sense. It made sense to me, but I ended up graduating number two in my law school class. But right at my second year of law school, the FBI came to our uh, law school to recruit. It's one of the ways you can get into the FBI, at least then. I, I haven't checked recently, but was to be to have your JD degree. And so I got my JD degree. And after a, a short stint in D.C. where I was doing some contract attorney work because the FBI had a hiring freeze. Um, after September the 11th, I went into the FBI in uh, June of 2002, and um, the rest is history. I, I went and they taught me at the FBI how to do a lot of different things um, in training, you know, how to fight, you know, how to think, you know, how to how to, you know, go through scenario, scenario based arrest situations and things like that. And I went out they once they decided where they were going to ship me. They shipped me out to Los Angeles where they put me on a cybercrime squad. So I actually was investigating cybercrime. And those cases were were fascinating. And this was, I think, 2002, darn near 20 years ago, right? And there was a lot of, you know, auction fraud going on back then. There were, you know, the, the beginning, denial of service was big because this was before we actually figured out how to fight denial of service attacks you know, intellectual property rights, infringement cases, anything that was, you know, people could do from a criminal perspective in the real world, they could do on the computer, healthcare fraud, all this other stuff. So I had a lot of fun um, doing that, even did some other things, um, went out on some raids and did some fun stuff too that were outside of the cybercrime field. And I also had a collateral duty where I was the information security officer for the FBI field office in Los Angeles. So that meant that every, basically within the government, you have to understand the classification of the data that's going to be in a facility before you even built the facility, because it has to be fitted. Um, if you're, you know, you have classified information, non-classified information, then you have SCI information, you have levels of information that based on that level of classification, the building has to meet a certain standard. So I was out there getting involved in a lot of different stuff, suspicious packages. I, I could tell you some stories, but unfortunately, um, as I say, life happens and I, and, and I ended up leaving service and went and started, went back to Ohio. So born and raised, I, I didn't start there. Born and raised in Cincinnati, went to law school in Houston, Texas, did some, spent some time in the DC metro area before moving to Los Angeles. Now back to Ohio, where I started my first consulting firm, because I felt arrogantly so <laughs> that everybody should want to do something about information security, right? And right. so I thought yeah. I had a great business model and let's go do it. But, you know, entrepreneur, I, and, and what I can say about all of my entrepreneur endeavors is that it never ends up the way you think it's going to end up. Right. You know, I have nothing but profound respect for you on that. Mary, I've got to ask, though, because before you slip on by, 
the uh-huh. FBI thing. Okay, let's <laughs> gloss over that too much, darling, because you've got an amazing... Uh, it's amazing background. Amazing history and yes. story. I mean, so Mary, I have to ask, is when you were working for the FBI, was it very much like that, you know, me, you know, man in black kind of vibe, or was it more <laughs> relaxed? I mean, I got to know, because I, I have this G-man, you know, I, I know I'm throwing all these different terms, but was it like that? Like, was it really that stereotype that you think of in, in Hollywood, for example? Uh, um... Okay. How do I want to say this? Right. Well, there are aspects of things that you can get into. Like the FBI is involved in so many different things. You mm-hmm. could, you could think cybercrime. You could think that, you know, terrorist activity. You think nation state stuff. You can think, you know, counter intel, all of these things. And depending upon the level and where you are, you get some of that type of vibe, right? Mm-hmm. And so your average, field agent, you know, Mary Cheney out there investigating cybercrime is not the Mary Cheney that was going out on the raids in South Central Los Angeles and arresting drug dealers, right? Right. So Mary Cheney, everyday cybercrime looks like your average, you know, geek in a suit with a gun. But, Mm -hmm. you know, then you're going out on the raid and you got the shotgun, you got the the rifle, you got the you're suited and booted looking like Shamar Moore going through a door uh, from (laughs) criminal minds. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, it it all it all depends on what you are doing at the time. you know, okay. and what that's drawn out, but you, you, you had some opportunities, but the whole, I never got the men in black type of thing. Oh, vibe. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. So, but, well, okay. banging then, down doors was a thing. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, I know a lot of our friends in the industry, they, they do, they, we, um, some of our nicknames for you include, you are a badass, right? But, <laughs> but, and I'm going to guess you were the type of person where your teachers or managers, maybe didn't have to spend a ton of time with you because like, oh, she'll just take care of it herself. And she's super motivated, determined, overachiever. You said, where did that come from? I mean, was that Uh in you since you were little from family? You know, where did that come from? Well, and you know what is funny? In Cape Town, South Africa, there are some people that will call me an international badass. I've (laughs) always gotten that badass uh reputation from other people and the the vibe that people get from me I don't really know I think it's just a matter of the confidence that I exude in myself Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um which which leads people to understand that I'm fully capable Mm -hmm. and whatever I I choose to do so I mean from I don't really see what other people see I'm just Mary right uh, but I do know I can handle myself. And and one of the things, honestly, and I, I'll tell you guys, and one thing for women especially, and I, I was fighting guys because the FBI, you get the fight in training, right? They yeah. teach you Krav Maga, right? I was taking on guys in my class. There were six, four, six, five, you know, boxing and doing all these things. And that creates a certain level of confidence as a woman to be able to handle yourself in different environments when you're able to take it to someone that's six, five, two, sixty. Right. And, wow. and you, you're ho- and you're holding your own physically. It creates a mental toughness because, you know, I, and I often joke about the t- uh, about, you know, some of the challenges that women face in this field. Mm-hmm. And 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 I guess I give off that vibe like you just don't want to test Mary because it, it, I don't know if it's a quiet, reserved confidence 
or it's, it's the fact that they know my background, so they know it's going to be a fight. <laughs> I don't, I don't, literally, yeah, a literal fight. <laughs> I mean, but, but okay, so let's talk about that. Do you think, though, as professional women, that you'd recommend some kind of like training, like you did? You got Krav Maga, right? Would you, is that something where that like helps give more confidence? Do you think, or you know, someone as lazy as me? Okay, let's be honest. I ain't no exercise. <laughs> I ain't fighting no six foot five. You know, but I mean, do you think it'd be a good technique maybe for women to get that assertion, that self confidence? And yeah, I think that I've had this question because I was an athlete in high school, so mm-hmm. I played basketball from junior high. You know, and so. I even got to offer a partial scholarship to play division one ball out of high school, but I didn't take it. The, 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 I think athletics teaches women confidence. Mm -hmm. And I think that, I mean, I was, put it this way, I was a badass long before I got to the FBI. And that's why I'll (laughs) say that. Um, just mainly because of, there, there was a level of confidence that women that I, that I got from sports that I think some women struggle for, um, in their careers, right? Mm-hmm. Because a lot of people ask me, Mary, you, you are very confident in yourself. And, you know, I think it comes from a level of authenticity within myself. I Absolutely. think it comes from that confidence, you know, being able to hold my own in certain, um, situations, but I've always been a pioneer. So it's always me having to figure it out and having that fighting spirit is just something that um, I think is genetic. Now, okay, I'm going to do a side note and I'm going to do something personal here. Okay. Um, Please do. And, 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 and because I didn't find this out here until like less than maybe six years ago or so, but I did mm-hmm. the little ancestry DNA. Yes, yes, yes. I know you privacy folks out there are saying, why would you give them your DNA? But I work for the FBI. They have everything already. Right. Okay. Right. So, <laughs> Most people have uh, everything let's, let's, on us, whether we yeah. give it or not these days, right? Yeah. Let's move it yeah. along. Yeah. Let's move it along. Yeah. Yeah. I imagine uh, along. Agent, yeah. they got everything on you, especially. I mean, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So I did the ancestor DNA thing. And what happened was it was shocking to come back. So if you've never done these things before, they tell you, you know, based on your genetic makeup, where you're from. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I am, what is it? 87% African and 13% uh, European, European, uh, 7% Irish. Wow. And then the, so, so the, out of the 87% that's African, 30% of my um, DNA comes from a region in Africa that was known for Amazon warriors. Ooh, okay. wow. Okay. So and when I did all of this, I looked and I said, yeah, that fits. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And my mother says, yeah, that fits. <laughs> is she similar? No, no. Oh, okay. Me and my mother, me and my mother are not. And when it comes to, you know, at least, at least not to, to my knowledge, my mom had me when she was 18. So, mm-hmm. you know, when we, when, when I grew up that, that whole athletic, that whole vibe of, of stubbornness, you know, that whole passion, that fire, I think it's I think it's my biological father's side of the family because I see a lot. He was an athlete. He was okay. an athlete. He and so I I think I think you know without her doing the test I would guess that that was 
most of that was coming from my paternal side. But yeah, I'm a fighter and I'm, and you know, once I figured that out, I figured out why I'm on the defense side of cybersecurity, I, why I per, like to protect people. Um, it, it, it all fell in line. So I think part of it is genetic too. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And now, I mean, you are very inspiring. I, I think the last time we talked, you mentioned, or you, you, you tell, you work out. I think you, you do it in the mornings yes. as I can mm-hmm. recall. And then I thought to myself, okay, I need to get on that bike tomorrow, my Peloton bike, because um, I just told Mary out, I, I'm going to work out. So <laughs> I need to be held accountable. And it was like that in- inspiring, the osmosis inspiration, right? But um, have you now, you have two kids. Have they mm-hmm. inherited this from you? Forcefully, yes. So um, <laughs> my, okay, so my daughter... It has my mother's type of personality in as much as the whole working out thing. She'll do the bare minimum. (laughs) (laughs) She's not. okay. so my workout schedule, I work out every day, uh, depending on the time of the year, how low my workouts are. You know, right now I get up at six o'clock and I get out and I either, you know, lift weights or I run outside or I do, you know, my bike or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, I, I. When we started the pandemic, I required my children to work out because they weren't getting outside. Right. right. And so, you know, my 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 daughter's this slippery slope. Right. If I don't keep reminding her <laughs> to, to work out, I'm like, when's the last time you worked out? It's just, oh, you know, because she didn't do it today. And, you know, when I get that, thanks, Leah, when we get off the phone, I'm, we'll get a, I'll, I'll, I'll go talk to her about this. But my son, <laughs> my son, he'll he'll work out because he's a guy, right? Mm-hmm. He thinks he's, you know, he's getting older. He wants the muscles, and you know, I, my whole thing with my my son is my muscles are bigger than yours. What you, what what you're 16 years old? What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> so there's this challenge. But as far as their resiliency, yes, my daughter, both of them share a a resiliency. My, my daughter likes to tell me I should be a motivational speaker because I'm, mm-hmm. she says I'm very inspiring. And, you know, I find even what I have to do for her in regards to support in, in building her up and that um, making sure she has a level of confidence doesn't really apply to my son. My son is very confident when he wakes up in the morning, he seems to be confident. Uh, <laughs> And so that male female thing, that dynamic of trying to build confidence in my daughter and trying to humble my son is what I spend my day um, really, really doing. But it's fascinating to me just how much women just inherently, because, you know, like you said, if it as my daughter, you would think, but this is this is not learned behavior. This is her natural personality. I mean, she's a straight A student. She's going to a STEM high school. She, she tests off the charts, but every time she makes one simple mistake, it throws her into something. So Mm -hmm. I don't know. Uh, (laughs) Women, we're so hard on ourselves. Yeah. No kidding. (laughs) That is is actually a known issue for women in general. So uh, I had this other podcast last year, before the pandemic messed that up, we used to do a live speaker series. We'd record in front of an audience. And Mary, you would have been perfect for it, um, which was women in tech leadership. And it was a recurring theme. We never meant it to be a, you know, it was meant to be an empowerment, you know, a way to inspire other women leaders, you know, and 
up and comers, right? Mm-hmm. But what we notice is a consistency on women being harder on themselves and that emotional connection tied to success and failure. Men, for lack of a better term, I think the testosterone blocks it, but they just like, <laughs> or, or I fell off a bike, I guess I'll just get back up again. Whereas women are like, yeah. well, if I didn't just shift over to the slight, to, you know, 34 degrees, I wouldn't have made that error. And then they start questioning themselves. Do you, in your experience, in your career, have you seen that for yourself? And how did you correct it or address it for that matter? Now, okay, so no, not for me. As yeah. far as, <laughs> it, and, and it, it, I'm, I'm sorry. Like oh my gosh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I think that I, I understand I'm not perfect. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, from a spiritual perspective. So yeah. now we're going to get into what I've personally done to, build a certain level of resiliency with myself and that's getting to know myself and giving myself the grace to understand that I am not meant to be perfect and I don't go into a room um expecting to be perfect and and if I do make a mistake and I have I've made plenty of mistakes um I've 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 experienced many challenges that have what I would say taken me off even my CISO journey and we can talk about that um you know but what at the end of the day I go back into my cave so to speak or I go back into my spiritual foundational base and understand that okay what am I supposed to be learning out of this situation there aren't a lot of things that I can look back on in my life and say hands down, this did not teach me something about myself. And so I look for, instead of focusing in on the mistake, I I try to make it a learning opportunity for myself. So I get through the whole beating up myself faster now that I'm older than probably I did when I was younger. So, you know, that narrative that we all have in our head, that, that person that we have in our own head that actually judges us for every simple thing that we actually ever did wrong in life (laughs) and reminds us, reminds us on the constant basis. Well, I told you, you should that Mm -hmm. her, I had, I've silenced her or at least muted her voice. It's not as loud today as maybe it would have been, you know, earlier on in my career. That's awesome. And and I'm taking mental notes, by the way, here. Um, (laughs) I need to mute more. Um, it, going back to something you just said, the CISO journey, can you share a little bit more about that and, and your journey on that path? Absolutely. Okay. So, all right. Overachiever, right? Number mm-hmm. one in my law school, right? Mm-hmm. Um, going into corporate America after my first entrepreneurial um that, that we want learning experience. That's what we're going to call it. Right. Yep. <laughs> you are um, an entrepreneur if you had many learning experiences. Yes. So I'm right there with you. And you probably know more actually because of that. <laughs> so did entering in corporate America back in 2012, my goal uh, was to be a chief information security officer by 2017. I gave myself a five-year goal mm-hmm. to obtain that. Um, okay, we're going to pause here for a second mm-hmm. because my guy is out here um, 
with the lawnmower thing. I know you guys are going to be able to edit this out. So I don't know if you hear this. Not at all. <laughs> Not at all. Oh, you guys don't hear it at all. Okay. You have amazing sound barriers there. <laughs> okay. Okay. Because I hear them and he's annoying, <laughs> annoying me. But okay. So I'll, I'll start again. Okay. Oh, it's fascinating. So after my, you know, entrepreneurial learning experience and I went into corporate America in 2012, my, my thought process at that time was, okay, here I am. I have all of this experience coming out of the FBI. I've been an entrepreneur. I know businesses are in need of the of someone to look holistically at information security. I'll go into corporate America. I'll gather all the experience that I need, but then I'll position myself by 2017 to be a chief information security officer. And that was the goal. You know, that's what that's what I do. I set targets and I meet those targets. Uh, so life happens and situations happen. And my first corporate experience ended up being my best, actually, even though I had challenges in there, he, at least my best boss in corporate. Uh, I took the uh, director of incident response with GE Capital uh, role. And that was an amazing role. I had three years I spent at GE Capital. I learned I, I had security awareness, had database security, I had data leak prevention. Uh, you know, I had the incident response. I had the networking team. I had all of these things gathering all of this experience, working with our outside vendors to build something within uh, to support the business units. And, you know, and I knew and I always put on my um uh, goals and objectives that my goal and objective was going to be a chief information security officer. And what my boss did for me was the best thing that anybody could ever do for me is be completely transparent and honest about where he was in his career. He said to me, Mary, I know you want to be a, a chief information security officer. You're very prepared and very uh, capable of being a chief information security officer. But if you're going to be that, you're not, not going to be within this organization because I'm not going anywhere anytime soon. Oh, my. Thank you. Mm -hmm. No, thank you so much. Yeah. Right. Because now I not, I've built an ally mm -hmm. in as much as he knows what my goals are and he's supporting my goals to saying, hey, go out there and try to find this. Now, there were opportunities within GE um, itself because mm -hmm. GE at that time was huge. I also began interviewing with a couple of other organizations. And then I had um, someone who would be considered my, um, who I consider to be my mentor, reach out to me and um, want me to come work for her specifically um, in, in, in a role and take on the director of, of security operations in a role for Johnson and Johnson. Oh. So, uh, I took that role and, um, with the anticipation of working for a uh, chief information security officer, that's what, uh, I was, I was being told, um, that, that I would be working for her because of course the first thing a recruiter asks you when, um, they, when they, when they're rec rec recruiting you for CISO role is who do you work for, right? Mm -hmm. They want yeah. to know that you've been prepared to sit in that role, right? Right. And so that was, that was my, that, that was my thing. 
I wanted to be able to, you know, work for a chief information security officer. I was promised that that's what would, uh, that was going to happen. And when I took the role, it became a bait and switch situation Ooh. where, no, you're not going to be working for me. You're going to be working for somebody, um, under me. So now I'm two steps beyond my goal. So mm-hmm. now my whole, journey has been delayed because of a trust that I had in an individual that they were going to look out for me. And that lesson that I learned um, from that perspective was um, you don't necessarily, you can't necessarily trust everybody. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) We just talked about this earlier this week. See, and I as close friends, not just co-hosts, but yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. No, I mean, and I Mm -hmm. think, I think, I think that is such a disappointment, right? Because you mentioned mentors, right? And the idea Mm -hmm. of a mentor is to help promote you, help facilitate your Mm -hmm. career, either personal or professional issues. And that is disappointing is that when you do take on a mentor and they don't quite live up to the and it's obviously not a signed agreement, but the relationship of what a mentor should be. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. So, right. And go ahead. I apologize, Mary. So, I mean, okay, so you had this setback, but again, you being the fighter, I'm assuming then uh, from that experience, did you jump immediately or did you bide your time? Well, <laughs> and then to some degree, I think, you know, at least in the DFW area, I'll say, because you you are pretty well known. You're famous if you don't know that, right? Um, no, I don't. I'm not famous. So many of us already <laughs> we see you as a CISO, right? I mean, you have your own law firm, and you're and you're so, consulting yeah, for other it, businesses. Exactly. To me, it's almost like you don't need the CISO title if you've already done the job and you know what you've got, right? But then back to right. those yeah. frustrations, because this does frustrate me to no avail. Why is this? Why the hell is it so hard to? get into cybersecurity and advance and you know how do we fix this broadly and is it part of why or or maybe you can share more about it but what drove you to create your nonprofit minorities in cybersecurity <laughs> you know how many you know how many things you just asked me there and i know loaded sentence. questions i'm sorry i get too too fired up and too passionate about it when well we know the challenges right it, it's just ridiculous right. the bar- okay. barriers and how we can't get more there's talent out there there's not a talent shortage and yeah <laughs> okay 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 so i'm gonna I'm go back yeah I'm, I'm gonna go back and try to go forward and address all of this so okay. to finish the story about the the chief information security officer role so i did not jump immediately i i did stomach the situation and i that's how i will describe it for as long as i could that by this time i was in pennsylvania um living in pennsylvania working in in raritan new jersey I, I took it for as long as I can. I, I lasted for about 18 months. Um, and then I went to another organization within the Philadelphia area. Um, and it was an even worse situation from the, the aspect of, and I describe it as women leaders not ex- ex- exuding the type of leadership characteristics and traits that I valued. Um, and I said to myself, um, if this is what I have to be in order to be an executive in a fortune 500 company, then I don't want any part of it. So I stepped away from my CISO journey at that particular point, And we'll come back to that. Um, 
And and then I, you know, I, I advise my my co-counsels, my daughter and my son, um, what in the world we're going to do after mm-hmm. I, I after I left corporate. And, you know, and, and it's the funny story. And I'll just say the short version of it, that they they are the ones that chose um, Dallas for two separate reasons. My daughter is in love with Dak Prescott. So if Dak, <laughs> if you're listening, Dak, if you're listening, I, you know, my my. My soon-to-be 14-year-old daughter is in love with you. Um, my 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 son, my son, he he was just like he wanted out of the Northeast. He and we did not like the New Jersey, Pennsylvania, New York area at all. And so I was licensed in Texas, mm-hmm. and so I, you know, although my brand and reputation and my speaking events were always Northeast focus and some somewhat southeast focus I moved my brand and myself and my family to Dallas Texas and I started my own law practice because I did have the law degree mm-hmm. and I never used it and so I started the law practice and I you know pretty much started doing what I did in the northeast to build the brand here in the local uh, Dallas Fort Worth area and I just got on the speaking circuit and and started talking and I built my practice. And yes, I was a virtual CISO for a couple of organizations. Right. And, um, and, and so that, that, that opportunity, that passion was there. It's still there. I mean, in my law practice, I mean, I did some really, I've done some really cool things, uh, in my law practice, but, you know, ultimately helping people with cybersecurity and privacy. Right. drafting policies, procedures, you know, helping them with incident response, all of that stuff. Um, And so by the time, and so what what we do, what we should do as people and most so as women, when we start to hear that, when that voice starts to get louder and louder and louder, Mm -hmm. the one that's questioning because the the firm wasn't really performing. As an entrepreneur, you have to understand it's going to take at least two years, right? The firm wasn't really doing anything as much as I wanted as far as finances go. So I went out and I got my CIPP, right? Mm-hmm. Certified Information Privacy Professional. I had to distract myself right. because you can, if the, when the voice gets loud, you have to do something productive. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the same time, I started Minorities in Cybersecurity. So I've always been a mentor. I've been a mentor. I have a mentee now that goes back to when I was in college, right? Um, and so I've always liked to the idea of giving back. And um, minorities in cybersecurity is an extension of my desire to give back and also take the focus off of my own personal self and put it into the development of others. I find a lot of satisfaction, right, in doing that. And going back to the the purpose aspects of things it is my part of my responsibility as an information as a black female information security professional to help other minority and women and people of color to break down these walls and these barriers not only from within uh, in regards to developing appropriate leadership traits and leadership skills to be successful but also working with other organizations. And we've been doing that here recently. And, and, and Mike, we've been um, working with companies that are looking for minority talent to try to really tell them what their problems are in, in trying to recruit 
uh, minority talent, right? There are, you know, and I know I'm going to say, I'm going to trigger Leah here. <laughs> you have the, 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 the job descriptions that are horrible. Mm-hmm, you have yeah. even corporate reputations, right? I mean, yeah. if, if your corporation doesn't have a, a, a presence in the minority community, you're going to be hard pressed attracting minority talent. Mm-hmm. And so really talking to these organizations about the unique aspect of trying to recruit uh, minority and women talent and mm-hmm. ultimately some of the barriers just because of the way women think and the way minorities think in regards to their ability to land some of these opportunities. I I will tell you right now, even me, I don't think putting my resume into some or applying for some job, even if it is on LinkedIn, is going to get me a chief information security officer role. I don't believe that. I I think that it takes um, the soft skill of networking. It mm-hmm. takes the, the soft skill of building relationships that those opportunities are going to come. Mm-hmm. And so to tie a bow around the whole journey for me, from a CISO perspective, um, I recently came within the last month, actually came to the realization is what I shared with you guys about what happened to me, you know, in, in getting off my journey and deciding that I want, I, I didn't need it that as a person that is goal oriented uh, as I am, I allowed somebody else to dictate what I didn't need. Right. I allowed, Mm -hmm. I allowed bad behavior by female and not all female, but mostly female executives to ruin my dream for me. Mm -hmm. And, and instead of taking my, and then I've recently taken my power back and said, Essentially, I am a chief information security officer. I know I'm qualified to be a chief information security officer. I owe it to every woman and every woman of color and specifically every African-American woman of color in this field to give it my best shot to land as a chief information security officer in a Fortune 500 company to, to achieve that pinnacle so I can actually tell them how they can get it done. And that's what's <laughs> well, And then we're going to have you back on our podcast yeah. and on video to, to share that story, too, when you get there. So I, I hold us to that. Yeah, no, I will. I will. No, I, literally. Uh, Mary, you just me up. I think you're going uh, to do a tagline for your uh, uh, interview here is Mary Cheney. Just gets it done. Yeah. Um, <laughs> sorry, Nike. Sorry, Nike. No. Uh, <laughs> hashtag don't sue us. Um, no, so, <laughs> so, Mary, I mean, this is so. Look, I'm, I'm, I am a We're female speechless. minority. <laughs> We're both women. Yeah. And and but it look, and you. I love the fact that you don't mince words as far as security has a diversity problem. IT yep. in general has a diversity problem. So it's like uh, we were talking about this uh, the other day, which is IT already has a problem with diversity and then niche it down with security even further. Do you feel the attraction uh, or recruiting folks into STEM in general, <clears throat> do you think we're doing enough in the elementary school levels uh, to foster and promote that track of thought or what would you do if you don't think it's going in the right direction? I, okay. So I have a STEM student. My daughter, as I, as I said before, yeah. is 
test off the charts of math, mm-hmm. right? She wants to be a coder. She loves coding. Mm. And I feel like it is my job to nurture that and to ensure that I break down as many barriers as I possibly can to ensure that she has a successful career and she makes that choice and she doesn't get uh, discouraged. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, Because essentially, I, I think the schools are doing a great job. I think that there are women, you know, that the numbers are changing in regards to women graduating in STEM related backgrounds and skills. The problem is culture. Mm-hmm. When they get there, uh, because the diversity problem exists, they don't get the nice the, the mentors, they mm-hmm. don't get the 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 um the the career development opportunities, they don't get to be, you know, asked and, and so it's if you once you get there and you're in this field and or you're in the in a company and that company is not doing anything to assist you with development of your career, that's when we have the leakage, right? Right. So it right. doesn't it doesn't matter how many diverse people we get into the field. What matters is how many how can we plug the hole that keeps them from leaving? Right. 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 And so, mm-hmm. yes, there are challenges with getting in and then there's challenges with the cultures when they get in. And so a lot of organizations like to tout their diversity numbers, but they're not tracking everything from beginning to end, because even even the companies that I work with in my nonprofit and I've had some real conversations with some of these companies yeah. don't just come to don't just come to my organization to recruit minority talent. Mm-hmm. Tell me me. I get on the phone with them. Yeah. Tell me what you're going to do to support them once they get there. Right. And and I challenge them. And, and again, my whole idea is my nonprofit, you know, we're going to survive one way or another, but don't, don't just use me for, to tout your diversity statistics, to tout that you're actually reaching out to the minority community. Tell me what you're going to do. If you, if you, if, if you get everything that you want, tell me what it is that you're going to do to make sure they're supported and the culture is going to support them. Because I tell, you know, and I, and I, and I offensively tell white men this all the time. Mm If white men could have solved the uh, cybersecurity problem, we wouldn't have breaches. Okay. And we have breaches every week. Right. Every other, every other day. So we're, we have to do something different. And that means tap into individuals that think about things in a different way because the way they've been doing it is not right. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, amen to all of that, but also it's kind of similar, right? Just going to say it and call it out here, but the marketing BS I think it all needs to stop. And the more organizations like minorities in cybersecurity, you know, I've not been with Cyber Future Foundation all that long, but, you know, what we're trying to do, other organizations similar, other people who are really advocating and trying to make this change and authentically and, and diving into it, that's what it's going to take. And and so that community of, of those of us who can help change that and make those incremental steps to, to drive it forward. Um, I know we're coming up on time here. We I can mean, talk forever. I know, here. really. But so you're going to come back. We know that. We're going to schedule you to come back. Yeah, you're um, in Dallas, right, Mary? Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. You're the you're Dallas Fort Worth area. Coming back. Yeah. So we're all vaccinated. <laughs> Maybe we can even do it in studio. But, um, what you know, the uh, 
uh, I mean, Mary Cheney, right? Our guest today, CEO, CISO, badass, uh, overachiever, <laughs> cybersecurity, <laughs> brilliant, brilliant mind, mover, shaker, change, change agent. Uh, we can go on and on and on. I think you've inspired all of us for the next like month and push that uh, again, osmosis. Right. But thank you so much. Yeah, all, all I get is a month. All I get is a month. I got to come back every month. Oh, you know what? Why not? <laughs> if we can get on your schedule, I mean, you are you're busy. You're out there. We see you in the coverage and you know, the other interviews you're doing. It's everybody follow Mary Cheney. She's I mean, yeah. just amazing. Mary, so oh, we, we definitely need to get you on some other shows as well. And yeah, uh, it's funny is someone like you, um, actually, there was a uh, a contact that I had made recently from a business organization that I'm part of, Nicole Malakowski. She is uh, or a former colonel in the Air Force. She was one of the uh, first, she was the first female Thunderbird pilot. Oh, and wow. And she is an talk about another badass and her story is so similar to yours it's and, and i applaud you for being the tip of the spear for the rest of us who yeah. are happy to be you know uh you know you are the wind beneath our wings <laughs> oh yes, you thank are. you so much yeah, thank but, you so much yeah so thank you for putting up with it because uh you have a higher eq than i do and you've been very <laughs> gracious about not saying certain things the way i would have maybe not so tactfully said <laughs> Um, there's probably a reason why I'm not in corporate tech sales anymore. <laughs> so, uh, Mary, for those that do want to learn more about you, how can they reach out or get a hold of you other than Ancestry.com? Right. Oh, right, right. Uh, exactly, exactly. And that's under my maiden name, so good luck with that. Oh, um, <laughs> um, No, th you could reach me. Listen. If you marry, I always use my middle initial, which is N for Nicole. My last name is Chaney, C-H-A-N-E-Y. So that's at Mary N. Chaney on Twitter. You can find me as Mary N. Chaney on LinkedIn. You can find my law practice website, www.mnchaneylaw.com. It is really, really, really simple to or you just go open a Google browser. I, I'm, I usually check it every so now, but use the N if you want to find me. I, I'm not that hard to find. And once once you connect with me, you'll see that, yeah, she's out there a lot and sometimes yeah. exhaustingly. But um, <laughs> Love it. and from minorities in cybersecurity, you can reach us on Twitter at Mike Leadership. You can reach us on. We actually have a Facebook. I do have a Facebook page for both uh, my law practice and my um, nonprofit I actually, I'm involved in some um, video casts. Mm -hmm. I, I I have a video cast that I do with three other folks called All Steamed Up with Mocha and Foam. It's usually every couple of Saturdays or so we get on there and we have real conversations like this. Yep. So you can find us on YouTube on that one or, or Facebook Live. So, you know, once you start, it, it you, you don't have to dig too far to the surface to, to figure out what Mary's doing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just can't emphasize enough how amazing this has been to have you here with us and and the candid conversation and yeah just oh my gosh speechless just, speechless really I, first off um, Leah is never speechless <laughs> I mean so good that's job. true yeah and, then, and thank you for all you do in I'm not even just gonna say DFW in the world I mean really just, oh thank you 
Yeah. yeah. Thank you. No, it's thank you guys for having. Fight. We're with you. We're just gonna. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, we're just gonna. Yeah, you. Could, that that's fine. <laughs> thank you guys for really having me. I think that is really really important for each of us. Yes. Even you, Leah. <laughs> you know, and you know, uh, it, it, for us to tell our story. Yes. Because there are a lot of women out there continuously, especially in this field, that still feel like they're by themselves and yep. they're fighting this battle by themselves, and they are not. They just have to reach out for help. So, thank you guys for this platform to be able to bring my story uh, to you. Thank you guys for having me. I'll be, of, of course, welcome to come back anytime to talk. Excellent. Hurry up and get vaccinated. Thank you, you come so to the studio, much. my friend. Yes. And yeah, I get my second... Yeah, I get my second vaccine shot next month. So I'll, I'll, awesome. I'll, I'll, I'm going to free up this summer and, you know, we'll see. <laughs> well, on that note, Mary, it is such a pleasure. You will come back. And, such a uh, pleasure. And if you see your uh, bushes rustling every now and then, don't worry. It's just us just high-fiving you <laughs> from afar. Okay. Okay. Well, <laughs> you know, you better kidding. be careful in, in my house. It is, it is Texas, right? And I exactly. am a former FBI agent. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Throw the FBI back in our faces. I'm kidding. No, Mary Cheney, yes. you are amazing. And uh, I, as we continue on the CISO Diaries and we get a little bit more into the flow of things, please do come back and continue your success. We will applaud you from near or far. However, maybe we'll stalk you on uh, social media if that's safer away from your FBI shooting Gun. <laughs> away from the bushes. Uh, and I, I, yeah, yeah. Stay away from the bushes. Stay away from the bushes. Yeah. So, all right, Leah. I know poor poor Mary's like like enough with the the uh, accolades. So I think this is a great stopping point for us on the CISO Diaries. Have yes. a great day and afternoon and awesomeness. Thanks, Mary. Thank you so much, Mary. No, thank you, guys. Bye.